Today at the SDGI, directors in dialogue, cinematographer Tim Fleming and director Juanita Wilson talk to fellow directors about their Oscar-nominated short film, The Door. I just love to know, I mean, congratulations both of you on your fantastic success. You. I kind of, I'm sure speaking like, I kind of, you made us all feel very proud to kind of have such such success and then it's my first time to see the film and it's really, really moving and an incredible achievement. But I'd just love to, I'd love to know where the idea came from or what your connection is to, to the subject and I just see the shortcuts, I mean, such an ambitious thing to do and what we all know is tiny impossible budget so it seems yeah. like you set yourself up every possible opportunity to fail and yet yeah. you have achieved something so I'd just love to know just yeah. before even what I, because I presume the relationship with Tim then comes after that thing, yeah. Yeah. What, where yeah. um, I think naivety really helped a lot yes yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course and that really helped but uh, the original story it's based on a true story um, and it was put together by a um, Belarusian journalist called Svetlana Alexievich, and she went around and asked people their experiences of Chernobyl quite a few years after the event, and she compiled it into a book, and this book was just being released, and it was being reviewed in one of the papers, and uh, I just read it. Um, in Ireland, the paper here? It was actually the Guardian. Okay, yeah. reviewed, and um, one of the stories was uh, this man, Nikolai Kalugin's story, and it was a very, uh, it was just a little excerpt, but the, what they talked about was him stealing his front door and driving it through the woods at night on the back of a motorbike. And as an image, that just stayed in my head and it just seemed like totally like you would think this person was completely insane. Mm -hmm. But then obviously you realise that it's actually the opposite. He's, he's um, you know, his, his reason for doing it. And so I just was really taken by the idea of the book. So I ordered the book and I read um, all of it. It's very beautiful because when people speak in their own words, I don't know, it's just incredibly moving. I don't know whether it's the way Svetlana puts it together or, or what it is but all of the stories are really um, they really touch you you know and this was only about a page and a half it was very very short um, and just to kind of stay in my mind and eventually I, I wrote a script more or less just based on it so it's it's really his true, true story really and it was just structured and I think we just restructured it a little bit to work as a film so that you don't reveal the, the reason until the end and the, the location obviously you have no connection to it other than what we imagine yeah. of that place and what yeah. you read. No, so originally, then originally, the process of going over and yeah. making it. Originally, uh, we went. Uh, um, Adrian Devan was helping us out initially, and because of the Chernobyl Children's Project, I think he happened upon Belarus and, and Minsk. So yeah. off we went to Minsk first of all, and um, did some casting there, which was really fantastic oh, yeah. for locations. Mm -hmm. But when we came back to Dublin, we. Um, we saw, looked on the internet and we saw the photos actually of Pripyat in the snow particularly and decided that, that really that's where, where we should make the film. So in the end we waited actually six months to go back and film it um, in the snow. And, uh, the warmest winter they had in yeah, the generation. Just about got snow. But anyway. But yeah, it was a long process. It was, it was um, probably three years at least when, we, when, we, when I first read the book and trying to get the funding and all of that. So it took three years and two rejections to... Um, get the go-ahead. And were you together from the start, or did you just until no, when you finally got I, the commission? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you pitched for the gig. And so, so the script... Sure the probably was a picture. Yeah. <laughs> so the script, you did, you obviously read her screenplay, did yeah. you? Yeah. As opposed to and then the book. Yeah. Well, I read, the, I read the screenplay, and I came to meet uh, Monita and, and James, her producer, and uh, we talked to it, and they called back. And, uh, so then we got into the process of prep, and which, I, yeah, I can't remember the time period, but I know we did a lot. We, we visited Belarus first, then we went to re Ukraine. We went to Pripyat, I think, in all of it, six times. Uh, and, uh, what struck me most, sorry, just something I really admire and think is an amazing achievement is in a short film, in a very, very short space of time, you feel like you're really, it could be a documentary. For, to the degree to which you believe characters and the world that that they're part of, and, and you know it's quite mis you don't know in the first few minutes really what's going on. So in one sense you can say you less information than usual, and yet isn't it interesting that that kind of adds up to the sense of more authenticity? Or what do you think it is that gives it that quality of 
like you are in the real world with real people in the story very, very fast? Um, I don't know really. I don't know. For me, I think that the, the point at which you hear his voice for the first time, because the other than that you're just watching the character and you don't know what he's doing and you don't know if you like him or if he's good, you don't really know anything. But I think when you hear his voice and he says, you know, we left him, even though you don't quite know what he's talking about, I think there's something to do with the way he, he delivers that or something that for me I feel I'm going to trust this person. I don't know if there's sadness in the voice or something yeah. like that. I think probably it's the point for me every time when I, yeah. when I see that I settle into it. And because it's a real story, maybe, like you, when you tell of how you came across the story, it's very much grounded in personal experience and it's yeah. first person yeah. voice talking about something. So you can maybe. You yeah, do trust him when he speaks, yeah. though. You yeah. do trust him. Yeah. That it's not, you know, as you say. Yeah, I think I was just very, very lucky, particularly with um, Beagle. I think he just. You obviously it's don't speak nice. any no. Russian. So, Russian, yeah. <laughs> just, uh, so you're obviously responding as well to an emotional quality and exactly, a tone yeah. in the voice, and yeah. which is because sometimes I don't know. I've done work in the Irish language, and you can um, feel sometimes you lose nuances, you know, because your directing is different because of certain details <coughs> that you miss, which sometimes makes I think the photography or the or the emotional, the kind of broader emotional sex, more lavish, you know, because you're missed. But to feel that, I mean, I'm very struck by that you're outsiders as such in this culture and making it, and if to um, Russian people, for Russian production, what the differences would have been or not, or does that matter at all? I mean, it's very interesting. Yes, yeah. I recently um, was invited to go back to Minsk and screen it there, and they had a lot of. Um, organized quite a lot of screenings and I was just curious again because when I went back shortly after we made it the reaction just, they just seemed very uncertain by it because I think it was kind of a sad film it wasn't trying to um, apologize for anything or to escape from anything it was just yeah. saying the way yeah. I had come across stuff and um, I think at first they didn't quite know how to deal with that you know and particularly because they are actually talking building another reactor there and they're living with this and they're told certain things so I think a lot of some people just weren't sure, but now I, th I felt a much stronger kind of sense that they were really pleased that, that people had bothered to come and Did you uh, actually get to speak to the people themselves? I know you read their story. Did you get in contact with them? And speak to with the Nicola, family? unfortunately, I've been trying through Svetlana, but she did the interviews a long time ago, and she met him in a hospital, and she just can't trace him, and we're, we're trying to trace him, but it's kind of tricky because she's a little bit kind of persona non grata over there, and sometimes people don't want to be um, associated with, okay. with the book because she's actually speaking out against stuff. So um, I would love to trace him if he is still alive, but I think his wife died, and, and actually I think he had an older son as well. Um, so it's just, it's something every time I'm there I'm trying to uh, sure, yeah. find. I would really love to, to obviously for him to see the film, because yeah. I kind of made it for you said you had two rejections, what did you change then? Very little, to be honest. Did you reapply for the same? More or less changed a few words here and there, but um, I think what had changed um, maybe their minds was that in the meantime, because we assumed we weren't ever going to be funded, we kind of went out to Minsk just ourselves, and that's came back then obviously with the cast and photos and things like that, and maybe that gave um, the film board more confidence. That was that part of the submission? Were you had stuff from, from Minsk? Yes, was that time. put in as, the, yeah. as part of your yeah. story? And on the just on the on the script, come back to the script for a quick second. It is uh, kind of we're eighty percent into the story when we when we first see it, and I like to play structure anyway myself. As yeah. Tim will tell you. And I noticed that you you have an, an event, and then did you write it deliberately like that? So I'm going to have this event, and we'll go. What is this about? And then we come back. We go back to the beginning of the movie, and we come back to where we started, and we finish it all. Was that a deliberate? Yeah, I thought yeah, it would be yeah. good to reveal that. I think that. it worked really, yeah. really well. Because a few people said to me um, at first, um, but should you not explain that that's why he's getting the door? You know, and I'm going, but that's kind of the whole point of it, is yeah, that you learn at the end. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, maybe some people find it confusing. No, I thought it would work very well. Well, yes, it's it kind of keep you interested, so yeah. Because you did wonder. When you see the child in the door. You have him kind of... Still, this door is a change of rhythm and bass is very good, I think, because at the beginning you have, you don't really know what, what you're in front of. It could be like an action movie. Yeah. If for the first 30 seconds, as far as we know, 
and then suddenly you go to the family and suddenly from this man there could be a thief and yeah. he's carrying this door, you don't know what it is and then suddenly you realize they kind of connect through your quest or like suddenly you trust him yeah. because you're seeing with the family he could still be a thief yeah. because we still don't know yeah. but when you see him with the kids you trust him yeah. Did you ever discover it? Is it a tradition? Yes, it is. Uh, just in certain parts of, of um, oh, that area, not everywhere, just in a couple of the villages. Mm -hmm. That's very beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think, but I think it's funny. Um, it was really interesting. At one stage, um, this woman in the States wrote, and she'd seen the film, and her friend had asked her, why was it Irish? And she actually gave this amazing answer that I could never say. But one of the things they said was, the way that we mourn, are dead and you know obviously all the family all, but the way that we kind of deal I think with death and I thought that was really interesting that, that maybe there is a, di a different kind of you know just kind of like in terms of our humanity or something this connection even though it's I think interesting right up to the last image which you know is the idea that they have to leave say one side of that frozen river and she goes over to the other side and the kind of the power of the symbolism of that and just uh, the restraint as well that both I mean, in the, in the direction and in the performance, but also visually about, you know, staying wide and how they looked like tree trunks themselves, the light through those. I mean, I presume you didn't like that. that uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so just we chose it, we chose Yes, yeah, so they just were, they became part of that landscape and just, you know, but just watching the soul disappear over to the, over to the other side of us. I mean, it's so was a graveyard on the other side. Oh, was that purely by chance? Which you didn't shoot at all. Okay, that's interesting because you did definitely feel, mm. you know, she was, and the pain and the whole thing, I suppose, less is more. The you just felt the grief of that parents and seeing them join hands and we avoided all the. Did you did you shoot the graveyard at all? No, we just cut it out. We thought it was heaven. We thought well, actually, what happened was that's symbolic. Yes, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, funeral wouldn't. One of the things we, we do an awful lot is like we shoot thousands of images, you know, but we normally start with a couple of reference photographs that we need to, because we've done a feature since as well, uh, a couple of them references that we need to come up with, and we kind of use that as some place to begin from. And then when we're on location, we just shoot and shoot and shoot, not kind of randomly actually, but kind of quite working from somewhere. And it's bizarre, we find, one of the things we really discovered when we saw the film, I guess, was and look back at some of our references, like the framing, for instance, even though it might be a photograph of something else entirely, but the lines and the structure yeah. of the framing was exactly where kind of the emotion for the moment came from. So it's quite a, re it's a really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I was really lucky because um, I had Tim always um, with me, which is very unusual for a short film to have somebody give up so much time and come out because. In fact, I think the locations are so important um, oh, yeah. and that you need time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, you need that time and um, it's very hard, particularly if you are shooting abroad because your time is very limited. Mm -hmm. But if you don't find, like if we didn't find those locations, that wouldn't be the same film. Yeah. You know, if we shot it in some of the first locations we saw yeah. or if we didn't keep looking. Mm. So or Pripyat, we didn't shoot Pripyat. We didn't shoot Pripyat yeah. because it's in the film. Did you need so permission to do all this? So and you got it all? Yeah. How many, you, was it too difficult to show them? Or how, where, where, where did you, where locations, how far away were, were each one? Or where were well, we shot, the, we shot the interior apartment in Kiev. Okay. And we shot, obviously, Pripyat for the exteriors of the city. And uh, so we all around Kiev. And Kiev, really, and environs, yeah. So just Ukraine. Just Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And how many days did you? But we cast Igor as Belarusian and, um, and Julius. And, uh, and we... We were walking into a building um, to audition 12-year-olds when Lilia, or the child, walked past Monita and she, she just kind of got her and went, come here. How did you get her not to breathe on the door? Oh, stop. Uh, yeah. I, I was just looking at that age old. She was crying because she had to wear this ball thing. She was so yeah. upset. Yeah. It was just that, that was such a nightmare. And I just thought... It's really easy to slide on the door, and then we have the camera. So Tim, I just want you just yeah, to literally, yeah, yeah. if you could just move it up, and then we'll lift the door, and you know, no problem. Yeah, it was honestly. By the end of it, you looked like you've just, you know, done a 12-hour workout at the gym, just trying to get it all yeah. to work, and all the people and her not to breathe. And, oh, and it's extraordinary it's because incredible. you just do know one breath, and it kind of because you're, it's not that you're looking, but you just kind of can't believe it's. Well, first of all, you can't believe she's dead. You know, so in the in the story, <coughs> and then. Uh, I think I do think naivety went a long way because everything actually when it came down to it was 
so complicated when we were actually trying to, well, you know, it, uh, all the shots were complicated, right? the long shots, or even getting them to cross the bridge, carrying her, you know, I mean, everything, there was an awful lot of timing in almost all the setups, because yeah. there were so few setups, yes. they were all quite long and complicated. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a bit of an obvious question, but, but because, again, everything was so restrained in it, and incredibly, this great clarity, um, how much did you leave outside the frame? It's kind of, you know, were you, what, was it designing for the frame or is it like you had to, um, you know, if you had to pan a bit there, there's a city or there's a, you know, so you talked about how important uh, the location For instance, the, the bridges, um, we, when we arrived at that location, we actually went to see the other side of this um, kind of dam. Uh, and there was a kind of an old man with a dog down there with a big hole in the ice fishing. And it ran at kind of a very big wide river and wasn't really interesting at all. And we just happened to kind of walk to the other side of the bridge and look over and the bridge was there. Mm. Um, so there was nothing really to leave outside yes, yes, that. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> in fact, the kind of killer shot for us was to get to the end of the, the wheel lake on which the bridge was to get one shot of the yeah. crossing uh, and to keep the maintain the continuity of life for that. But, uh, so... We did. I mean, I mean, the arrival at the station. I mean, yeah, there was stuff that you know, you just go, "Shit, this is gonna be crap. This is not gonna work." Yeah. You know, but, yeah. but you, you kind of obviously, I think as we always do, we, you just do your absolute best with what you have at the time, and what the words. What were your sorry? Uh, what were your visual references that you said there that you had a couple of? I think we need to actually brought them. I brought them if anybody's yes. interested. In Absolutely. Yeah. They're all actually from um, press press photography. For some reason, it seems to be um, seem to kind of capture the emotion or something and strength and, and I think just connected both aesthetically and then with, with kind of some of the images. Did you, sorry, did you choose the colour palette which is quite distinctive, the colour palettes, while watching the references, the photo references, or is something that it come out more, or I you were on location and uh, I you find were what, I find what happens to me is I do nothing consciously. Bonita um, does everything consciously. And what I do is I just, let, I mean, I did a feature with Joe last year, it was exactly the same, We kind of, even though Joe was very structured in terms of what he was after. Um, I kind of let everything kind of distill in prep and in conversation and in breaking stuff down and we're very organised in terms of what we want to do. I mean, we knew everything we wanted to do before we got to the location. We knew how we shoot it, what we were going to shoot for, what beat it was, etc, etc. Um, so then what happens at the time is when I get to choose, we talk about stock or we talk about colour, uh, you know, we play with. I mean, for instance, the story is actually in April. What actually happened in April? Hmm? What's the stock you used? We used. Um, in actual fact, what I did was I wanted to shoot Fuji, and we couldn't get Fuji in uh, in Ukraine, so we had to shoot Kodak um, because I wanted some contrast in the image. I shot a low contrast stock uh, and just kind of let the light work on kind of building contrast and then graded some contrast in. So it was That's a Kodak. Now? Yeah. yeah. Mm. The colour is determined as well by the, 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 the colours in those communist blocks, like in the yeah. corridors. Yeah. They're just the most amazing greens and blues, quite naturally, and that was great when we discovered mm. that. Place. And your actress and both of the girls had blue eyes, didn't they? And, the, the, yeah, yeah. Was I know, and when she goes into the, into the father, you know, to give him something, I wasn't sure what it was she gave him, but the, the change in the colour into that blue, that kind of desectus, the chrome steel, chromey blue colour, it was very good. and, and was that done deliberately that when they walked down that I think the little girl is nearly blue and all the colour is that was that a was a was that a conscious thing? I, I don't think it was as conscious as that. I mean, basically because what we did. Because when you see it, it does look. Well, basically what we did was we shot we shot on tungsten stock in daylight. Uh, okay. And we I half corrected it. You know, so rather than shooting five thousand six hundred degrees, I shot four thousand three hundred. And so and then I played with that when I graded. You know, so we did a two K workflow in post, uh, and then obviously filled, filmed out from that. And um, but it was as simple as that, really. Yeah. And we didn't really kind of like. I mean, we were the sim We were completely after simplicity. Yeah. Um, but when you go to some place like Pripyat and you're kind of like in a city that was inhabited by fifty odd thousand people, and they all marched out of there one day. It's amazing. And we got. We of course were had wolves running after us at one point, <laughs> and um, because we wander off, and you know the Ukrainians are there going, no, no, there are animals, and we're going, yeah, shit, man, it's the world, there are animals. <laughs> <laughs> and, next, and of course we just wandered through archways and we're standing and next thing you kind of hear this howl or whatever yeah. it was but uh, so we, when it's taken back by nature like that yeah. uh, so we didn't it's really 
and we had to go a number of times really to kind of be able to distill what we wanted um, because there were all of those terror blocks and <clears throat> we have thousands of photographs of amazing interiors which are a time capsule you know Homes sure. that like literally people just walk just out. Just stopped at that moment. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. frozen in time. Yeah. Isn't that still radioactive? <clears throat> yeah. There's not a limit on how long you could actually stay there in one time. It's like four hours or something. Yeah. So you had to shoot for four hours and then even come back. Did they do a bag of counter You have to leave your clothes. Leave your clothes after they do a reading. That was only, I thought it was a very beautiful film. Um, I didn't understand, I don't know what's wrong with me, I didn't understand for quite a while they were in Russia. And when he said that we lost now in the town and I knew Chernobyl. But what struck me is the, the, the very strong delivery of the line when, when they're packing their suitcases to leave and suddenly they're told at just that moment that they can't bring anything, it's very poignant. And then when they leave and they say, we didn't realize everything we'd smuggled out was a time bomb or we were time bombs. I wonder if they, I'm sure they did, but I wonder that they went back to get a radioactive door and bring it back to bury the child on. Is it that they've given up or is it an act of defiance? I mean, to me, I just wonder what that meant. Well, I think it was really to do with tradition because his father was laid out on the door and he talks about, you know, the little notches on the door that, you know, as you grow and that his whole family history was on that door. So, and I presume he'd lost everything at that point. So whether it was radioactive or not, it didn't really matter. From the story, yeah, there was a sense of defiance and the grief, you know, that he wouldn't be, that wouldn't be taken from. And but really, uh, it's what else can you go to if you can't go back to the ancestors, you know what I mean? That was it, yeah. yeah. Was there one major obstacle that you had to overcome? Or was there a lot of difference? Was there one big one? in the making? Well, there was, um, the weather was a really big thing. I mean, once we were there, I think, and we'd done our prep and all, you know, that was all okay, but it was um, things like the weather, like trying to get the snow, for example, the day the, um, for the funeral, the snow, there was still snow on the ground, which was so important for that, because otherwise it's just mud, that shot wouldn't be the same, you know? Yeah. And um, we were also doing wet bikes through the forest, but that morning we were told the little girl was sick and uh, could be, you know, do something else, <laughs> and you, you know, it's your heart's break. It's a short film, you've got whatever five days. It's not like you can say, Okay, yes, we'll do it the week yes, after next. Yeah, yeah. So, um, things like that just were really um, hard. And in Pripyat, the whole way driving to Pripyat, we were hoping there'd be snow, but it was more or less gone mm. when we got there. So, things like that are completely beyond your control, and there's there's so important, particularly back snow. The following or week and start again. You don't want a two-week schedule or a six-week schedule or an eight-week schedule where you're going, okay, and let's push it back we, the end. We you know, we've we gone back again because we've been back so many times. This was the time we had we're going 30 green. people coming in. And <laughs> I don't think we'd have got permission maybe to go back, so we, had, we were kind of locked into that. But even the funeral, I think it would be prohibitive to say, okay, we're going to redo that next time there's a snowfall. So, you know, you're really in the lap of gods um, for things like the weather. You know, because things like that just emotionally are huge for a film. You know, whatever the weather is, it just... We, well, did, we, deli we had deliberately decided to go for snow because in the story and in the book they talk about the abundance of the period. So it happened in April and it's the breadbasket of Russia. And um, so they kept talking about the abundance. And we originally kind of like worked through all that. But then when we saw the images of Pripyatans, which, was in, which were in snow, we kind of thought maybe we should rethink so this. Coming back to the photo references, I read on the internet, and I don't know if it's true, that it all started from a photo references that you, she, so I read somewhere in the internet, it said that you saw the picture of the fairy wheel, and then you decided to make the movie. It all started from a photo, isn't it? No, it started from the story, but from when we story. saw those, yeah, um, we just, because mm. we had been scheduled to shoot in June, it would have been a disaster. It would have been people boating on the lake and all. You know, it would have been completely different. Yes, so yeah. once we saw the snow, it was just it seemed emotionally to absolutely be the um, the way to go. What month did you shoot in? January, just January. Right, January. So you changed the script. You know, story yeah, to the story. Can I just ask you about like, clearly the locations have fed into well, starting with the story. But it, it sounds like what they're speaking about is that the locations have been a huge dominant um, impact on communicating the, the feeling in the story. And, and it sounds like and looks like the shot choices and the way in which the story is told really influence heavily. Has that approach then, they've just made a feature. Like, what would you say about that way of work? Because I, mean, I think it's very, very effective, but in terms of 
communicating, you know, people might choose, oh, well, performance is the most important thing, or whatever it is, but clearly... Um, but now that you've lost your naivety, yeah, <laughs> how is the feature experience? <laughs> Scars. <laughs> I mean, am I making the right assumption there that it's huge yeah. to, location is very important? Yeah. I think I think in a feature, I think you have slightly, I don't know how, how you would say this, but I think you've slightly less control and you have to be more um, story-based, like you do your narration, you know, you have to develop everything more, character more and all of that kind of thing. So I think um, I think it would be very hard to sustain, say, an hour and a half of, of that kind of monumental, formal filmmaking. Well, I, think you, you know, I think it's fine for a short film, I think it works, but I think for a feature you, you have to be slightly more relaxed and um, so I think even though obviously locations are again really really important um, your cast is as important but it's like a short film about killing you know, I mean in a way that's when I'm looking at that and I'm you know when you look at that film is that formal Eastern European style as well I don't know if that's conscious didn't use the filters like you did though yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I did on another one yeah. <laughs> um, I think locations are everything, you know, I mean, but it's locations in terms of how the light falls, or what light you have, or how you kind of shape it, you know. Um, did you went out and looked at the, sorry, the, the, like you said, you submitted it a couple of times, and in that process that you went and looked at locations, yeah. so did the actual <laughs> locations then change the script, in a sense, when you were writing, or did you actually include... Yes, originally um, the opening was just written kind of for this apartment, complex and he was just running through the apartment yeah. complex but obviously when we saw Pripyat we, we just chose those shots so that probably extended the opening sequence a little bit more than sure. in the original script and, and other than that I think it's pretty much as, as it was in the script that sequence was night um, so then we went to Pripyat obviously and we thought well there's no fucking point shooting this at night because there's no light there I mean other than obviously moonlight on which unfortunately I wasn't able to um, expose and um, so we kind of then I we talked about it a lot and we decided we'd bring it back to dusk so which is obviously you know we've got astral twilight for about 20 minutes and um, so we just went there and we walked through brought the crew through the 40 minutes that I allowed us to shoot the six or seven setups and uh, it was fantastic you know I mean just and and that's another reason why the simplicity you know because there was no room for tracking yes, there was no yes, room for yes, you know it was yes, kind of yes. like this is it yeah. And as well as that, you still come away feeling like yeah. this place is like it's you can do so much there. You know? Was it like natural like in the exteriors, or was it? <coughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't. I mean, we, we, we funnily enough, we talked about this last night. Um, I don't really consider that we 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 lit the film at all. You know, we kind of framed the film. You know, I mean, I, we didn't really, even though I mean, the, you know, James and Amanita's producers kind of like are very good with their resourcing and know where to spend their money, but. Um, we didn't have kind of a big lighting package. Uh, I did have some lights because the interior of their apartment was on the fourth floor. But it looks all the, I think, all the truer for that. No, you no, know, completely. You know, we, we totally, you know, made, we made those decisions. naturalistic, yeah. and it allows the emotion to, mm. because you've got all this austerity, and which is kind of both exotic on one hand and austere, and then a kind of Eastern European emotional austerity as well that, that just allows it to seep to the seep to the foreground I know that's a contradiction but kind of to because also in in the apartment which again was um, you know again beautifully shot that couple I guess so you know those characters were beautifully cast as well the in their place but just kind of I think that was the, when no when they're leaving the, it's kind of beautifully blocked as well I think it's all the all the shot of her movement and that but it was really lovely and just that but again it was very unselfconsciously that it was I was just kind of conscious it's a small space but that I think we saw out windows and uh, again it's uh, can, I, can I come back to actually something we said earlier Deborah, which was about us being outsiders yeah I don't think we ever felt that uh, yeah, I, I, I think we genuinely, I mean, because the feature film we did was we shot in Macedonia, yeah. Ireland, Sweden, but mostly in Macedonia, uh, based in Bo Bosnia, a uh, Bosnian war story. And uh, I think it was the same, really. You know, it's kind of like the response to the story was very humanistic in a way, do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. you kind of know you're... But it's, it's very interest, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, the, you know, I suppose it's like, why is it Irish? Do you know yeah. why somebody... Yeah. The, I mean, I've seen so many kind of 
Russian films or documentaries mm. at various festivals. And it, it definitely felt, it didn't feel like outsiders, you know, it didn't feel observed, even though it was framed. Mm. And it felt like something from the inside. And that's, that is fascinating because you have to have unconsciously brought right. stuff as well to yeah. it. So it is, it's you just empathise with the situation yes, yeah. or something. How did you find working with the actors? Did you a translator or...? Yeah, I had a translator, um, but they were really great, yeah. I have to say. They were really um, generous with their time and their experience and everything, and um, very easygoing, very committed, so I was very, very lucky. They were the first two, actually, that we, um, mm. we picked out their photos, and I kind of brought couples together. They were the first couple mm -hmm. I brought together, mm -hmm. and we did this... Um, make it up as you go along improvisation the mm. first night mm. in this uh, little hotel room in Minsk and they, we kind of walked through the whole story but not the actual scenes mm. in the script mm. but kind of in between scenes imagine how you met okay, mm. how did you eat and that, you know all that kind of thing and it was really one of the most valuable things that mm. I did because I think it brought an, a kind of feeling of trust between all of us in a way yeah, that meant and it, it created yeah. a whole backstory for them so that even though I didn't meet them for two years and I met them more or less on set two years later they still knew who they were, what their cat was called, how they met. Do you know, they had created all of this, so it was just in their heads. So it kind of eliminated the need to do extensive rehearsals or to go over stuff or create all of that. They kind of just arrived. And those tapes were really exciting, actually, yeah. as well. Because, yes, literally just a little kind of video camera on my shoulder, and we were just able to kind of like, it was, they were kind of almost thumbs in themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so you were very much involved then. Tim was involved in everything, which was really, that's what I'm saying, it was amazing to have that access. I wanted to ask something about your cast and your crew. Um, you obviously had a lot of local people involved in the crew as well. Were they professional crew and professional actors, or did you recruit people who had been experience? And secondly, did you ever disagree on anything? How did you resolve it? <laughs> okay, we'll um, just come to that. The, the two main actors, they're professional, they work in, in films, but mainly theatre um, over there. Um, the crews themselves had a mix of experience. Um, the production company who were helping us on the ground were actually mainly doing commercials, mm. I think, but they didn't really have a lot of film experience. So we did push them a lot in terms of, I think, what we were looking for, you know, like to get the right locations and things like that. And, and it was a little bit tricky at times. Mm. Um, but they really got in behind us and... Um, when we started working together, we got a good rhythm going, and I think it ended up being a very positive experience for everybody. I think on both of the projects we've done together, you know, I mean, it's I mean the contact with crew is really important for 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 both of us, you know. But I mean, I obviously kind of I physically do a lot of pointing when people have to kind of respond mm -hmm. to it, you know, and um, uh, so it's uh, we have done really well. I mean, we're fantastic. The crews, I mean, not hugely experienced, both in Macedonia or and. In Ukraine, but enough experience to kind of get us through, and then there'd always be one or two people um, who had the same level kind of experience in a sense, and, um, as either myself, or, and uh, that would kind of like just be able to keep going forward, you know. But some of that is just attitude, I think, you know, because you can wind a crew up as well, and they can not be very positive, you know. So sometimes crews come to work and they're kind of like there from the head down. Uh, so I think some of that is about really the way. Kind of Bonita kind of brings us, you know, which is kind of like everybody is treated with, um, you know, proper respect and intelligence, and uh, everybody's opinion is valuable. And I think Susie, our designer, Susie Cullen, who was amazing, and she just came in literally a couple of days before we left, <laughs> and she ended up doing a lot of the hard work because she was there at four in the morning dealing with these kind of massive, you know, Ukrainian men who didn't speak a word of English and would just look at her, you know, and they're nodding their heads. And she's like, do you understand? I'd be like, yeah, no problem. And then nothing worked out the way. And she's a perfectionist and she really, you know, really put her all into the job. And she would have to stand in the morning and, and put them into shape and whatever, midnight. So she bore the brunt of, of a lot of that kind of I think, mm. interacting mm. with people who just didn't have the experience. Yeah, like no red in the film, not even a red motorbike helmet that arrives in a bright red and we're spray spray painting yeah. yeah. black and you know, but it's just stupid yes, things. But yes, again, yeah. you know, oh. this kind of idea of the language thing, you know, where it's kind of yeah, no, it'll be fine. The motorbike never worked, it never started, it never drove. Um, we kept driving past <laughs> and trying to start it as we were going moving on to the next location as I shot. So, um, but things like that, and they would always try and reassure you, you know, and I think if you're in Ireland, you'd kind of yes, get a clearer yeah, idea of, is this going to happen or not, so... You we, dr we drove them to the edge with the locations. We, we did, did. Yeah. You know, It was just kind of like they couldn't understand why 
it any apartment would yeah, do. Yeah, you know, the shape and the color, that, that it's just there, it's an apartment. Yes, yeah. And this is the way apartments are in in, in Kiev. And they're all basically Ukraine. the same, really. Yes. They're all like two rooms, basically. Yeah, but they were definitely driven to destruction. You know, and, uh, but everybody was fine, you know, sorry. Did you have your crew lined up for two years as well as your actors? Yeah. No. So you had the actors, and the actors just waited until you came back. The actors mm. just gave up, I'm sure. I'm sure they just moved yeah. on, forgot about us, really. And um, when we went to Kiev, of course, to, in order to be rigorous, we did a lot of auditioning there as well. Mm. And um, there, uh, there were a lot of people who came very close. But when it came down to it, um, those two just stood out. So uh, fortunately, they were still around. How did you set up your auditions? Did you go through some sort of agency? Yeah, it wasn't an agency. It was kind of a fixer, and he knew someone did some casting and right. she showed us lots of photos and yeah. then brought them in and yeah. they, they had a very good eye, I think she had a good eye. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Was very good. Yeah. The little girl had acted before or no? No. 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 She was very beautiful. Yeah. yeah. She had a beautiful stillness and as, a, yeah. as a child. Yeah, she was kind of a strange yeah. child, yeah. very self-disaster or something. She yeah, there's some, there is a, she does have a quality, doesn't yeah. she? Yeah. She so lovely like though having the... Yeah, because that's when you're casting couples. Well, they have to look like they'd marry each other, you know. Yeah, you yeah, have yeah, to like all of the, you know, it's like you're playing God almost between people, and would they have this child? And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, I don't think, as far as I'm concerned, we have disagreed. I think often we will concur or question things. If I'm uncertain, I'll say, "Does that, look, you know?" And you say, Is that, "You know." Usually, if we, if we have a doubt, usually it'll um, be reflected and. No, I mean, I th I mean and again, I think a lot of it is just about the way the way we approach prep, or the way, I guess, and it's you know that was something that was established on the door, and it was over a period of time. Yeah. So therefore, I think we have probably more access to each other in terms of what we were doing. You know, so so the relationship kind of built really in terms of, uh, and we talked a lot. You know, we we talk in a lot of in a very broad way. You don't necessarily be specific initially, but then you know when you're teasing something out, I mean, you need to be more specific and articulate more clearly and. So it's 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 it works quite well. Did you storyboard the whole thing? And then write off? I don't like storyboards. You don't. Why not? I just because so many people need my Seems like a waste of time. Yeah. Don't have a lens. Yeah. What what I found really helpful for me as a first time and director was you know if you can go on location and start kind of mm. looking and then within that start framing and then within that compose shots or whatever mm. and then you might. Say okay, well, this is the way we should, you know, whatever. If you if you need to just kind of get something into your head, but to go out with the set idea in your mind. I mean, I would know in my head maybe of certain images you'd like to get, like of you know expression or you know certain things like that. But I think it, it kind of comes I together. I'd, I think I'd be afraid to let that go. You know, I think that's why I don't like storyboards. Mm -hmm. I think um, you know the structure of them. Um, you know, the idea. It's what you go into a location looking for the storyboard, and you're kind of not seeing what's in front of you. Because of the time restraints that of actually filming on the idea of the storyboard, did you have to forgo any major setup that you didn't get around to, or did you get everything you wanted then? We got everything we wanted, and we used almost everything. I think almost every setup that we had. Sorry. Didn't you do window setup? Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there were a couple, but by and large. But no, yeah. But, no, we just really, but I mean, it was really we just we kind of knew what we needed and, and, and how, how we hoped it would work. And, and and so when they the the famous you know the film was made three times in the writing and the shooting and the edit. It sounds like it wasn't made in the edit. It, you know that everything was the edit just yeah. put together, but yeah. people clearly. Yeah, the edit we kind of um, Nathan edited, and um, again he was just. Fantastic! You just responded to the material, and we cut it down, and we did quite a, quite a, um, you know, because I, I think pace is really important, and mm -hmm. structure is really important, and things, and so I think we tried to be ruthless, mm -hmm. and then kind of missed a few things, so put back in a few little extra moments and things like that, which I think it's quite a good way to work, where you just try and shed everything, mm -hmm. and decide you're going to let everything go if needs be, and then see kind of what you miss, you know. Yeah. In a way. So he was very good about that and very open. And again, for me, as a first-time director, he was great because we could try things. You know, yes. we would just see if we need that. We would just take yeah. it, you know. And that's so helpful then to see does it work or not, or you know, um, rather than somebody, you know, because if, if both people have more experience than you, it's very intimidating because you don't quite know often yes, what you want. Yeah, which is yeah. why Tim was so great because 
I, I wouldn't even know what I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I really don't. So <laughs> to, be, to, to be able to ask everything and anything and not be afraid of that or whatever, I think is really, really important. And I think the best thing is to find people who are like-minded in whatever style of work you're doing or whatever, but that you're coming from the same place. Because I think if you're mismatched in terms of your aspirations or whatever, then I think it will just be much more difficult or something if you have to end up convincing each other the whole time about what you're doing. So, um, well, were you shortlisted with the film board? Uh, or was it a short uh, process, just in the process of the funding from the, on the board as a first-time director? Did they give you a bit of grief about that? Or did you have to really fight your corner in that and get the boxing gloves on I, and really, really so do a lot of prep? I, I had really, I justified just about every second of my life. I was sure they were going to absolutely grill me as to, you know, and, and, you know, and all the rest of it. And I was really, um, really <laughs> trying to have an answer for everything. But they actually, at the end of the day, they were very supportive, you know, because I think they did like the script and I think they, they could see that it, it could be made as a short film or whatever and I guess, you know, they knew Tim was there and, and James would be, you know, behind it and things like that. So they actually didn't give me as hard a time. They did want me to shoot on digital and they, um, that was one of the kind of original producers. Um, I suppose, you shot 35. Yeah. Um, but at the time, the length of you leave a shot on the screen and the cut really, you see, yeah. I just find it a fascinating yeah. thing in terms of <laughs> rhythm and time and what that communicates, uh, you know. It's completely, um, it's completely instinctual. I think you just decide that now and literally to the frame. I think you feel what feels right for you in a way. I also suppose that's also the good relationship with your editor. Yeah. So I've worked with an editor who, who had absolutely no instinct of time and remember it shot this was an image of emigration in, in Texas, and I sat in one of the boxes, I got up at the, you know, dawn to get a train going through a sunrise and shooting it through the, you know, to, to make an iconic image as opposed to, you know, and I just came in the editor, and, and the train went through the sunset and shooting, and I came in and, you know, the train, he cut as the train just was going into, this, I said, oh, what have you done? Is it, was four seconds ever shot you be four seconds? Do, do, do. But, oh my God, oh my. So, you know, I mean, that's the, when it's a bad relationship, yeah. it's absolutely terrible. So it's just so brilliant that your first film you've had I such a so fabulous relationship. I, but so I, I shot a scene with Ger last year, which was 11 minutes. No, it couldn't have been 11 minutes. It was nine minutes long. Well, no, it was, it was 11 20 yeah. In one two. Yeah. And, um, but it's not used in the film. It's not used in the film, yeah. but hey. <laughs> <laughs> because we have no control of it. Yeah, of course. So Tim, were you involved in the edit? Oh, good Lord, no. Well, I mean, I, I mean fantastically, because we've become good friends, um, I, you know, when he calls me and says, you know, we're with this amount done, and I'm always shocked. I mean, I, I, as, as a DP, you know, you're, you go in and you say, what the fuck have you done with all my work? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the feature was just like, and any feature I do, actually, you just like go in and you kind of look at the first yeah. cut. You're going, you go in, you look at the assembly, and it's everything you've shot. And, you're quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and then you go back in, and kind of like a month later, and you're going, "What have you done with all my work?" And uh, but of course, you know, um, done brilliantly. But uh, so yeah, I, I mean, not not in any sense of kind of like being involved in the edit, but so you have to have it kind over of brings me in and kind of goes. Well, I mean, look, it's the the one thing that you need to learn, no matter what you work at in this industry. Uh, is when to abandon, when to allow, you know. But I'd be very interested, like, you know, if Tim said, you know, I really miss that moment oh, yeah. where whatever or whatever, then, you know, I would... When you went into the edit, did you go in with a the sort of written version of what you wanted? With the door, no. Yeah, no. And you, ver you verbally told him what you wanted? How did you communicate? What well, he had the script, so, and then Nathan would look at all the rushes and... So you didn't have a paper editor or anything? But it's an interesting, it's an interesting kind of area. Right? We, we, we talk about this a bit because, um, in terms of when an editor gets involved in the project, so what happens for a DP is you kind of phone during the, actually sometimes depending on the post-production house because some of them have policies not to talk to the DPs, but um, you phone the editor because they knew Nathan because we had already worked together, and like you're constantly hearing, oh, it's wonderful, it's marvelous, it looks great, but you're kind of not really interested because you know that because you you did it. You're kind of going, is it telling the story? And you don't get that answer until you've gone through the editing process, um, which I find 
it really wrecks my head. And, um, and for instance, in terms of structure and stuff, there were things we did on, as if the, the, the feature we did last year, where we know, we now know we kind of made a mess um, in terms of, you know, doing more and, and scenes that we shot that we would have done differently and probably had actually planned to do differently, but all of the um, forces at the time kind of like, um, forced us to do something else. But it's kind of, that's the kind of stuff that really frustrates me. I really think editing should be happening while you're shooting. And, uh, or the other one, uh, I did a film a few years ago with Pavel uh, in, London, in England, and uh, he shot for three weeks and stopped and edited for two weeks and then came back and shot for another three weeks. And it was far more kind of satisfactory for me. For everybody, I think for everybody. I mean, the, the idea of having to shoot anything, pressure, you know, of shooting, and then pressure of just editing your picture but not your sound, you know, whatever, and then you go and do your sound, and each process is done and finished and you can never go back and you can never adjust and you can never say well now in relation to this actually this is redundant or you know I think it's um, it's a very difficult way of working to get everything right at the right time is impossible really mm -hmm. so you just have to do the best you can but it's, it, it's huge pressure you know um, can I just ask what kind of background did you come from like here you came and something made you decide you wanted to do a film that you hadn't done before were you involved in art or graphics or Yeah, I started off um, in art college and um, I also studied journalism um, at one stage. I think kind of always had an interest, I think, in true stories particularly. Um, and then I um, jointly produced two films and then I decided to have a go at directing. But you've been around the films for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you compare producing and directing? Directing is much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, producing is the shit job. Producing is, it is. Yeah, it's the most difficult job. job and everything. But you have to wear a different hat, you know, because obviously, you know, you're in different camps, so you have to you have to just switch part off or whatever, you know. But the fact is, is James, James your husband, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, so that, yeah. you're still together, so obviously. It <laughs> but Did it you is. just say directing is easier? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's easier than producing. Directing at least at least people are nice to you when you're directing, okay? When you're producing, they just hate you full stop. So yeah, producers don't mind that. You say you didn't, don't like the concept of storyboards, you know, like using storyboards. But would you have had a, a basic shot list together for the day for each of what you're doing, and then would you say, okay, would you come up with some ideas then when you're working on the set, and well, what if we did it this way, or was that a lot of it? Or yeah, I think um, wherever we could. Um, and this is something I would really, really fight for in the future, is to make sure that you've proper prep time so that you can yeah. really, really thoroughly go through your locations and that you're not just running looking for locations the week that you're meant to be rehearsing or whatever, because it it everything suffers as a result. But when you're on the location or whatever, we kind of say, okay, you know, we'll probably start, you know, whatever. And we'd have a rough plan mm -hmm. and we'd know kind of what we wanted, but not in a formal way necessarily, or we might not note it down, but we kind of know what we want, but we might turn up on the day and say, okay, actually, if we just shoot it this way and have that in the background, that'll mm. cover everything, mm. and we do it in one yeah. take, and then other times we'd end up kind of doing more, so... But I think um, you generally go knowing what your shot is, you know what I mean? Regardless, I mean, you might not know exactly where you're going to place the lens, you know, but... Mm -hmm. So what we would normally do uh, is we'd set up one, a frame, and kind of work from there. Really. How long did it take to edit the book? I can't remember. I can't remember. Six days or something. I don't know. Whatever would be normal. I don't know. It, it, it looked very organized. You know, like you guys went to location. You know, you had an idea of the shots that you wanted, and you yeah. pictured the way it was going to be edited. Yeah. And it was just it lucky. I think it was just lucky that it just came together, like the script kind of came together, then we found <laughs> stuff and then we cut it. I don't, it was just one of those things that I think worked. I, mean, I think the, the other interesting thing about the, the, the film is when, we, when I read the book, or I read Bonita's script, and I mean it was a really good kind of adaptation of the story. Um, but for instance, that scene where he drives through the woods, okay, there were guys off in the woods kind of burning braziers, you know, who had kind of moved back into the zone and stuff like that. It was an extraordinary visual kind of feast. Mm -hmm. And uh, you kind of, so when I'm reading that, I'm going to crane, moving out from the kind of brazier, and you know, you're, so, you know, you're, you're, you're run riot, right? But of course, then you know, the, everything in terms of the actual resources we have kick in, and you kind of, dis, you know, so from and that project was about distilling it all down to the fun, the, mo the moment you need it from 
from the piece. Uh, and I mean, I think it was the same pretty much in every scene. And just we kind of knew we had to just find the moment. And the power and is in that distillation. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I think we did that with the feature as well. You know, but it's obviously more frustrating when it's kind of like 90 minutes. Or yeah, it's harder. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the shot that stood out says they're all leaping. That you had a crane, which is kind of the only seemed the only. No, so mm-hmm. we would, I mean, would, would the crane have been better used in the woods with the guy driving through? Or the crane shot? Or the crane shot? You know, because it stood yeah. out and that it was the only crane mm-hmm. shot. You know, when well, the crane was actually about hiding the, the lack of extras. Yeah, because I, yet there seemed to be quite <laughs> a lot of extras in that it was, uh, it was very. Uh, and the size of those complexes, you just they go yeah. on forever. Yeah, you know, yeah. So to find the kind of the right line. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask how particularly? I, I kind of I agree to people that say that cinematography is not about the light that you turn on, but it's about the, the light that you keep off many mm. times. Mm. And in this movie, I think that this movie like totally like fixed the description because the light for half of the movie is not on at all. So I would like to know how you, how much you feel uh, comfortable in taking the risk of framing something that is dark. How much is frustrating to. Like knowing that what you're shooting, like alphabets, probably is going to be difficult to be seen and all. How much, like, how do you kind of like there's people that talk a lot with lights, but here you are talking with dark. With I, dark I, I, I mean, I, I, I actually only consider that um, I'm, I'm, I'm only actually beginning to light now in, in my career as a kind of a cinematographer. And uh, uh, I mean, even in the film I did with Jarrah, um, we very much kind of like paired all heard that all back and uh, for all you know I mean regardless of budget and, and stuff like that I think that that's the aesthetic we were after, we were after. and um, but people often kind of like talk to me about kind of like how well lit some of my work is and I'm kind of going well you know it's like just really about where you point the camera at the light that's available yeah uh, rather than about the light put it put in, you know. more. I mean I do it now because obviously some of the budgets are working now allow me and I come to the lights everywhere but um, to turn off, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's an it's always it's a kind of a bizarre quite it's a kind of an interesting kind of one, an interesting one. But I mean, um, I think it's just look, it's the shape of the light. You know, whatever light is there, you can make it fantastic and beautiful or horrid, or and it's really just about kind of like being able to have the freedom to walk around that place and find where to put the camera, um, and then either bring your action into that, you know, if every if it is a true collaboration, you know, because obviously it can be the actor has to be there or some actors depending, you know, and can go, I need to be here to do this and you're kind of, you can't get, a, you can't get an angle on that that's going to look any bit decent, you know, you're just going to have to fight your corner. So when you're looking at location, mm-hmm. are you thinking, well, what time of the day, what's yeah, the, we do are that we going to be shooting, yeah. where is the lead, so you're, well, that's an obvious thing that you do, but uh, is, that, is that determining the staging to a large degree then? Well, I map that out all the time. I know, uh, certainly on our projects, uh, and indeed again with Chair, we were very mindful of all, that all the time. And it's really frustrating, you know. So I would love never to shoot between kind of like 11.30 and 4, just do interiors. You know, so every project I go on to, I go, so why don't I start at 6, so I'm getting kind of like, ast- you know, astral dawn, and then and let me have it in the evening as well, and everyone can go home in the middle of the day. So you can imagine how that goes down with <laughs> um, But like, I'm totally up for that. I mean, I'm doing that. And uh, but we do that all the time. We map when we want to, sh- you know, when we should be there. We stand in the locations for a long time because we visit them a lot as well. So you're getting kind of varied photographs. We've taken so many photographs. You're seeing. You'll come back and out will pop this photograph, and you're going, oh, look at the light in that. When was that? And the great thing about shooting with digital stills uh, is that you get, you know, your meta- metadata and you've got the time of the shot and you, know, you need and brave producers. And you you still, you still get a schedule that turns totally. up with you your lovely get, dawn mm. shot, like dawn breaks over the mountains and it's right in the middle of the schedule at about like one o'clock in the day, you know, <laughs> despite everything you said, you know. But you kind of need to kind of like be able to go in and as we, as I, as I do and as we, we certainly did and these projects we've done together and go, we're not going to shoot that in the middle of the day. Uh, and you know, bounce it back, you know, and I don't, I'm, I'm sure that sounds incredibly arrogant, it's not at all meant to. Um, but someone has to kind of like be aware of the aesthetic that you're after and the look that you're after, and um, and really you're in control of that, you know. So that's why you have to be able to dig your heels in. And, and uh, if 
fight for it. And there is, they may come up with an argument that says you can't have it, and it may be, you may have to go sometimes with it. You know. um, but again, if the, if the, I mean, for instance, with James, who's I mean a very creative producer and is completely behind the aesthetic of everything he does, um, that's fine. You know, you don't always get producers like that. I mean, Jerry's producers are bonkers. Uh, you just couldn't talk to them about films. And, and they were, they were just talking about the use of light or dark, my favourite scene in the whole film is that they're walking down the colour or holding her hand each. And they start, from the time they get from the start to the end of the corridor, the whole film is told they pass the children who are shaped and then they dissolve. No, they weren't shaped, they're, those children were suffering from. They were right there. By the time they get to the end, they dissolve into nothing. It's the whole story is in that one walk. Mm. But also how the actress, how he holds himself in that walk is, is extraordinary. He's the beaten man and she actually is stronger than that. It's, mm. it's, it's, it's beautiful. So they, so they were really real cancer or real uh, Yeah, some of them were. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. We actually tried to get her to vanish in that shot with the focus. That was and the so idea behind her too. pulling the focus. That by the time she got to the end of the corridor wasn't just long enough. Did you do much in the graving? Or uh, well, we kind of didn't, really. You know, we we added contrast because that was the one thing I knew. Uh, I was frustrated; I couldn't shoot the stuff I wanted, and uh, so I kind of took a different route with it uh, to get where we wanted to go. And uh, so, really, we added contrast and not much more. Really. I like the shot you did on the door when she's leaving the apartment, and because uh, it's a cold door and that, but it gives us this like a bit of foreshadowing there as well. Because we're still asking the question, and they're all told to leave to get out. And yet, you know, she is showing us the door, but it's like as though she's taking one last look around her home. Mm. So I thought that worked really, really well. I thought, was that a conscious thing, or am I just reading yeah. something? That when the actress, well, actually, there's a tradition um, over there. Just to look around, you know. Yeah. But yet we see the door as an audience. We see that. She's had it open. Yeah, she holds yeah. it for us, yeah. but it isn't done. It's yeah. not. It's not robotic. So that how yeah. you look, audience look at the yeah, door. Yeah, that came around. from. Um, she did that uh, because there is a tradition before you leave the house or something that for luck you should sit for a moment and then leave. So she actually ah. did sit for a moment and then she kind of left, but it was just too long to yeah. have to wait and see that. But she then did that look because. It was a really lovely guy, uh, which is one of the reasons I was thrilled that Juanita went back to show the film eventually, um, or was invited back rather eventually. Um, he said to us, look man, one night, we may have had a couple of years with um, he said, look, we're not interested in looking back now. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it was kind of telling, it was kind of... He said we're not interested in looking back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was, yeah, and it was lovely that they came to circle with us, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? But a lot of them, we went into university looking for um, young people or whatever to. A lot of them were like, not Chernobyl again, you know, the foreigners just come in and do Chernobyl or something. But I guess the way we would be about the North, you know, the same kind of thing, you know. So you do feel a little bit like, sorry, you know, whatever, you know. And I would love to go back and make a story that is just a story from there, you know, that's just a contemporary story or whatever. But um, but it's just I, I I guess I just responded to it as you know just as a person really so it could have been anywhere in the world or whatever. So it's very universal the theme of it. It's very and it's not really just about that. It's it's loss. It's loss, loss, loss of a child, yeah. like yeah. you know. Yeah. And like it's quite poignant. He says my father was carried yet, you know. Normally would be she, he should be carried, but it's not. It's his kid. So that was very universal about the loss of a yeah. young child. I think it is just a very simple story in that yeah, sense. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Kim, can you remember? The first thing that Juanita said to you in terms of the visual, it's not a memory question, but um, <laughs> just can you, like, if you were to look for that, what would be the first thing, the first kind of basic key thing that Juanita said? I mean, really, what, uh, in terms of the first image she gave me, 
it would have been, you know, so, I mean, it was probably a very a different film in the beginning, you know what I mean, in a, in a way, because it evolved kind of like so much. Uh, I, I mean, I just, I, I remember very strongly the abundance, you know, and April. Um, and I was kind of like transfixed by that. I mean, I kind of thought, God, my, that's going to be amazing. I could be able to, because the houses, you'd also show me some of the houses, uh, you know, which these wouldn't, uh, which we didn't end up using, actually. You know, but, um, and the idea of the windows and being able to shoot kind of the abundance. And it was just amazing. And then she gave me the book as well, and I read that, and the whole thing got big. So I think that was the first image, which, which obviously we discarded and evolved into uh, the episode. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, and how are we going to use that the previous energy in your mind? What, what, how? Because clearly, I mean, it's so minimal now in the cold months of the season. It suits the team so well. But how, how, had you figured you could use the opposite? Well, you, when it was very clear about it at the time, I mean, she felt it was like the, all of this abundance, and they can't touch any. Yeah. I mean, that was that was it. I mean, effectively, you know, and that they weren't allowed. And, even though some, they did, of course. They do. My feelings were going to get shipped over here. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful jam. Unfortunately, we don't know what part of Russia it comes from. Yeah. Oh, hell. As a, as, a, as a director, first time, well, not even as a first time director, but what for you is the delight and the disappointment from kind of your journey? Because it's been such a long journey and then such an amazing one. But uh, as you look back, uh, as you look at it now as a piece, if you, you weren't here to watch it, are you sick of watching it, or is it kind of a, but when you watch it now, I think, oh, that really worked, or oh, if I could do it again. Yeah, I mean, I, inevitably, in every set of everything, you know, just, you, know, just, you would maybe do things differently, which is probably a good thing, maybe, I don't know. Um, what, uh, what just seemed really special when we all met up again recently in April was um, the kind of, Genuine, genuineness maybe between all the relationships with Susie and Nathan mm. and two actors and we all kind of got together and that was just really nice that even two years later or something it wasn't just a gig for everybody who'd been involved everybody kind of seemed to bring I know it sounds really cliche but their love to the mm. table or bring their you know whatever they responded to in the script or the story or whatever their motivation was that felt very very special um, and I remember you know even after the shoot just feeling like god that was amazing even though it was a terrifying experience mm -hmm. just that whole interaction with people and I think in general the thing about film is that it's always a collaboration which is the most terrifying thing about it is that you have to trust so many people and you have to win their trust you know but it's so fantastic when that happens because everybody does want to give you the best and everyone wants to help each other if they can and when it works, it, it, it's incredibly powerful that everybody, every single person, you know, has brought something to that and shaped it in some way and made it, made it the best that they can make it. So um, I think that's the thing that, that stays with me rather than the actual film itself. And what, what I mean, it is amazing, um, probably because there's so little dialogue on it, but when you go and watch it with people, like one of the places when we were in Macedonia, we were invited down to the Strumitsa, this little town in the back end of Macedonia which is already kind of the back end of Europe and they had this screening and there were these women there who didn't speak Russian obviously or English so they couldn't understand anything but these older women came up at the end of it and they were visibly moved or whatever and it's just the fact that that something can be put together by all these people about something um, and there it goes out there in the world and people can respond to it and somehow it, it becomes um, you know, transaction or communication between a lot of different people. And I think that's just amazing that um, even though, you know, culturally we're all different and we're all speaking different languages, but that genuinely people can respond in some way to, to each other's experiences or whatever. And I think that is, um, it's always when I watch it, um, you know, I always feel really um, kind of just honoured by that and by being able to do that, really being allowed to do that because of everybody who works in it and believes in it. So I think that would be, um, the biggest disappointment is, you know, always that it doesn't get into Cannes or it doesn't get into wherever or, you know, I mean, no sooner do you, you know, get some bit of good news than someone else, you know, sticks up their two fingers and says no, you know, so, and that's very hard at first because you really think, oh, I've made a terrible film, this is a disaster, and then suddenly you get in somewhere and it's, oh, maybe it's okay, and no, it's, you know, yeah. it, uh, you know, emotionally, again, you could, you could just, 
I don't know, I don't know how you survive all of that, because you can't be immune to it, like, you can't, like, you were asking me, and I was saying, you genuinely feel hurt, you know, obviously, if someone rejects it, or, you know, um, because, you know, you can't not be, or maybe if there is a way you can tell me, but, um, you know, so you're always going to be, always, getting knockbacks, always, it's so subjective, some people like it, some people don't, that's the way it's always going to be, you know, so, um, yeah, I guess you just have to live with that, really. How are you distributing the film? Are you going to lots of festivals or is it the door? cinemas? Yeah. Yeah. I don't it, know when you finished it. So. It, it did. Um, last year went to a lot of festivals, which was great. And then um, more recently, they released you know the five nominated films across the states, which was fantastic. So they got seen, you know, by amazing audiences that you wouldn't normally get access to. Because that was fantastic. That was really, um, it was really, really lucky. But it's still going around. It was in Shanghai last week. Thank you for listening to SDGI Directors in Dialogue. For more information on the Screen Directors Guild of Ireland, visit us at www.sdgi.ie.